Welcome to Leading the Next Generation with Tim Elmore, where our mission is to empower the emerging generations with skills to lead in real life. Hey, podcast listeners, this is Andrew, and with me, of course, as always, is Dr. Tim Elmore. How are you, Tim? It's good to be here. Yeah. Well, I'm excited about today's conversation. I am too. Uh, We're talking about a new normal that we're experiencing today, some challenging times that we're in. And hopefully we're going to get pretty practical on how to deal with those challenging times. But you have been in uh, a scenario that felt a little bit challenging. The -hmm. the kind of uh, norms that were going on there were a little bit challenging for you. So I wonder if you might kick us off with that story. Yeah, well, it was... uh... It was a hard experience at the moment. wasn't a big deal, but it turned out to be very entertaining in the end. Um, and <laughs> Challenges was, can be that way, That's right? true. That's true. We're, we were laughing later, but not at the time. So uh, this kind of sets up, I think, where we want to go. So I was in Barbados a number of years ago, and I was speaking, uh, training leaders in a number of different venues. But in one particular venue, uh, I'm up on the stage seated because I'm going to be called up in just a minute to be the keynote speaker. Okay. So there were a number of other people coming and going. And then the MC, the master of ceremonies, stepped up to introduce me. And I thought, well, this will be a couple of minutes and then I'll be up. Yeah. Well, it was more than a couple of minutes. He decided this is my chance. There was a larger crowd because the American visitors were in and this yeah. was an author. And so the place was packed I out. I got myself an opportunity here. He had an opportunity. Okay. So the introduction went 5, 10, 15. No way. I'm not kidding. 20. It kept going at 20. But at 20 minutes, I, I'm, I'm thinking in my mind, what do I edit? So I looked down and in the front row was a teammate, Holly. You remember Holly? Yeah. And she is beside herself because she's thinking, we've got something after this event yeah. that we got to get to. Yeah. And if you do your normal talk, Tim... We're not going to make it. And this introduction goes longer than it's... you know, And it, and yeah. it was. He was just beginning, it felt like. <laughs> In fact, he he wanted to cover some little nuggets that he had yep. to share. Yep. So it was way more than an introduction. My tw- after my 20-minute introduction, yes. here is, here is what's... Next. Yeah. So at 20 minutes, Holly starts hand-signaling me <laughs> from the front row. You can imagine yeah, her doing yeah, this. Yeah. So I was going to do some habitudes that night, some of the images that we teach... And so Holly starts doing this. She starts like she's grabbing a steering wheel and steering. This sort of feels like you guys' version of like the catcher and the pitcher. You it's know? exactly like what it was. You're calling I'm po- shaking off the signals from the front <laughs> row. And then I'm saying, yes. So she wanted me to not teach drivers and passengers, yeah. which is on ownership. Yeah. And then as he kept going, she starts doing this, a uh-huh. river yep. she, with her hand. Yeah. Don't do rivers and floods. Yep. And then she signaled another one. So it got to be where I got so tickled on the stage. <laughs> Because I'm editing in my head, and I'm thinking, this is hilarious, yep. because we're now going to be down to maybe a half of a habitude, maybe. Oh, my gosh. I think it went on about 26 minutes, the oh introduction, and that's probably less A, a majority of your time, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I got up and did a little bit. But we've all been in scenarios, yeah. maybe not exactly like that, but somewhat like this, where the realities we're facing yeah. change before our very eyes. Yeah. And... Um, and, and we're out of control of yep. this, but we have to respond to this. That's what we want to talk about today. Whiteout conditions is all about, I'm in a situation I didn't plan on, yeah. but now I have to respond. I don't have a choice. Yeah. And you write something. I want to turn this around today. Okay. I want to interview you. I'm all right okay? with that. And the reason I want to is because, Andrew, there is no one outside of you that's more excited about this new book that you have written. Yeah. And you start by talking about whiteout conditions. 
So um, you illustrate this changing reality. So in this term, I want you just to tell the story that you tell at the beginning of the book, yeah. where you kind of share a whiteout condition. Yeah. So the, I mean, the heart of this came as I was working on this book, I knew I wanted to write a book about life skills and why we need them, yeah. right? But what's interesting is if you look at the world we're in today, the challenges that are there are so poignant for leaders and teachers in classrooms yeah. today that it just feels like get to life skills. I can't even get to my normal yeah. routine. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so that's why I want to talk about this because I think this is the first question we have to ask. But for me, the, the idea for this came actually from a story and the story is a little bit of a tragedy, but in that tragedy is a lesson. So it starts back in the spring of 1920. So a little over a hundred years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. Just had this hundredth anniversary of this really crazy heroic uh, act that happened. It's in Oliver County, North Dakota. So way up there. And it's all around a 15 year old girl named Hazel Minor. And she has two siblings, Emmett and Meredith. And what happened is they actually got lost in a blizzard oh after my. school. So uh, they left school and they were trying to get home. But what actually happened is that their horse, they were in a horse and buggy, their horse pulled the family sleigh out into increasingly harrowing conditions. And by the time news got to her father, uh, he rushed home to form a search party, but it was honestly just too late. Uh, the men were unable to find the minor children that day. The search party didn't work. Um, and they had to literally protect themselves by going in yeah. for the night and saying, we're going to strike out first light tomorrow morning. And so when the search party finally found these kids, uh, um, Hazel and her two uh, siblings, it had been 25 hours. Oh my gosh, more um, than a day. Yeah, which is just insane. Sadly, Hazel had frozen to death, but yeah. her two siblings were remarkably still alive. And so here's what happened. Uh, almost right after they got lost, the sleigh actually hit an obstruction that they couldn't see, mm -hmm. and it flipped over. And so they were trapped there. Um, so they huddle underneath of the sleigh. And Hazel, what she did is she took every blanket, anything that they had, and covered up her two younger siblings. And then she unbuttoned her own coat oh. and laid over top of them. And so basically she sacrificed herself to keep her two yeah. siblings alive. It became a remarkable story of heroism and tragedy. It hit news headlines all over the country. 15-year-old wow. girl yeah. sacrifices herself to save her siblings. There's actually even a folk song called The Ballad of Hazel Minor. Oh my. It's an old country song that was written years and years ago. Uh, all of it written to tell the tale of this heroic girl. But what I find so telling is not the story of this tragedy of this young girl, but rather the the reality, the weather mm -hmm. itself, the conditions that that they were facing yeah. that made her sacrificial act so necessary. Yeah. So the term that farmers who live up north in North Dakota and other super northern states, uh, they use this term, they call it whiteout conditions. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a situation where the storm gets so bad that you can't even see a few feet in front of you. So when this sudden like blindness almost is combined with wind and freezing temperatures and snow, the whole situation becomes dire yeah. almost immediately. Yeah. And there are stories, actually, you can read about stories of farmers who go out into these kind of conditions just to care for their animals in their barn, you oh, know, a wow. um, hundred feet, 300 yeah. feet from their house and they get lost in their own yards and freeze to death. In Isn't their own that yards. crazy? It is. So what I'm hearing you say real quick, Andrew, is the situation that was once very familiar and they could almost do from their subconscious exactly. now is absolutely no man's land absolutely. Or, or 
who God knows what to do. Yeah. And the only way you can prepare is to be prepared for anything. Exactly. You can't say, I know what's going to happen in this whiteout condition. Exactly. And that was exactly the case in, in the case of the minor children, because Hazel, even at 15 years old, her family, her father, and all of those people who were looking, they knew that country like the back of their hand. But the problem is it wasn't their country anymore. Yeah. That blizzard had transformed it into a different place. And it meant that what had once felt familiar suddenly becomes foreign. The skills and experience that they had built for years suddenly in an instant become irrelevant That's in right. the face of these conditions. Uh, so white out conditions, this term that I'm, I'm using, I actually think is the perfect phrase to describe the obstacles I think we're facing today as leaders. So Andrew, I think you're spot on. It may seem like hyperbole to some listeners, maybe yeah. like, I don't know if our school's going through it or our community or our home or our business, yeah. but it is true. Um, we were already moving toward a brand new normal, yeah. and then COVID hit. Yeah. So it, it just accelerated everything. Yeah. Um, I, you and I both heard leaders say, I felt like I made a month's, or excuse me, a year's worth of decisions in one month, and everything pivoted. And now I'm not so sure we want to go back to the pre-COVID conditions. Maybe yeah. some of the changes are good, but there's certainly been whiteouts. So I want you to begin to talk now about our whiteout conditions today. Why yeah. do you choose that term? And what's going on? Yeah, so uh, when I think about why this term is so applicable, for me, it's all the conversations I've had over the last three or four years where people use this word over and over again, unprecedented, yeah. right? Yeah. And what that basically means is, I have no idea what's going on. I've yeah. never experienced this before, right? So no matter what expertise you have in your specific field, yeah. um, no matter um, how many years of experience are on your resume, there is little doubt that both you and I talking, as well as anybody else who's listening to this, has been through something in the last three or four years that taxed them, right? Yeah. Even if they were 60 years old with years and years of experience, they faced something that they had never uh, faced before. And I think right now what's happening is it's really a combination of factors that have yeah. come together Together, it's a perfect storm. A perfect storm to create our own version of whiteout conditions. And I think in particular, these are frustrating, most frustrating for people who were previously successful at their yeah. role. So yeah. they said, I've been teaching for 40 years. The first 35 went really great. And now I, I find myself lost. And it, it, yeah. the territory was so familiar to me. Yeah. And now it's completely unfamiliar. Well, it's especially hard. Guys like me would say, I'm in the you know 40 whatever year of my career. I got used to this. I don't know if I've got the strength or the energy yeah. to do it again. But I want you to rattle off at least quickly, yeah. um, what are some of those reasons for the whiteout conditions? I yeah. think listeners will benefit from that. Well, yeah, I'm just going to list off a couple of things that come came to my mind as I was working on the book. They do not need to be... <laughs> Dis, uh, described very long, yeah, lengthy, yeah. Uh, because most of these you're going to be totally in line with. So the first one that comes to mind is obviously a global pandemic. Yep. We've talked about this ad nauseum, but for today's students, today's adults, today's schools, workplaces, all of that, nearly everything has been affected by our time under lockdown. I was literally just talking with a principal of a school last night, uh, right before an event that I did, and what she was talking about, especially with their elementary kids, the after effects of the pandemic they're yeah. still dealing with. Yeah. We are very much in the wake of, of that moment in history. Another thing that comes to mind is rapidly changing technology and social media. No um, you know, It's an obvious culprit of our whiteout conditions that we're facing now. This 
technology that infuses and informs everything about our daily lives. So no matter what your job is, whatever kind of person you are, there is very little doubt that technology has changed and shaped the way that you do your work and the way that you think about the world. So uh, a connected world, especially post-COVID where we're all on Zoom, means that our work is taking more place more and more often on a yeah. device. Um, and the reality of that is that it's causing, it's, it's having negative effects. There's lots of data uh, showing that at this point. Um, another category, political polarization. And this one's really interesting for ed educators, right? Because whatever your political affiliation, you've likely stared open-mouthed yeah. at the comments of a politician or somebody on TV or even just your own social media feed. When um, And the big thing for me watching schools was watching these crazy videos that are going viral on YouTube of fights breaking out yeah. at school board meetings yeah. of all places, right? This is the political polarization uh, that I'm talking about. So our anger towards those people from the other side of the ideological aisle, um, as well as our inability to navigate the sort of nuances of both life and <laughs> leadership, I think are making us in some ways unable to function together as a society, and it's worse in some places than in other places, but the reality is it's it's just creating challenges for, um, for adults. A couple more here. Um, another one that really came to mind that's very interesting is decreasing parenting skills. And we're seeing this almost everywhere that it just feels like parents don't have the same level of skill in leading mm -hmm. their kids like they used to. The paradox of our day is this, parents today are more engaged and less engaged at the same time. Yeah. Um, so when we say more engaged, we mean they're showing up and solving problems like crazy. Mm -hmm. When we say less engaged, um, I think about it in terms of this terminology I heard from you years ago, the professionalization, I think, yeah. of, of things. And you called it dry cleaner parenting. And I think that's exactly what's mm -hmm. going on. Uh, you've got a generation of parents who are just like you drop your clothes off at the dry cleaners. They're dropping their kids off at the school and going, you fix them, you know? Yeah. Clean and, them up. Exactly. Yeah. And if I don't like the way they turned out, I guess to complain and I want my money back, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's often what's happening is we we're defining successful parenting by meeting kids needs, not by actually leading and developing them. You have a couple of others. Go yeah, the uh, two others that came to mind. First of all, I think shifting priorities of schools. This has been a really big one for a long time. In the decade that I've been working alongside schools and talking with teachers, I think the job of being a teacher, an educator has gotten far more complicated. The workplace of the future is shifting, political tensions are rising, and public schools are often the first target of policy change. So if we're seeing a drop in employability of graduates, we got to fix the schools, right? Yeah. Uh, if we see the need to talk or not talk about some issue, we're going to go right to the schools and mm -hmm. fix it there. So time and again, I'm meeting teachers who yeah. are they're so enthusiastic about what's happening in their classroom. But instead of being able to do what they want to do, they find their class time is sort of at the mercy of these constantly shifting priorities from people who've never been in their classroom, don't understand their context, all that kind of stuff. And then the last one will be one that's very familiar to anybody who spent any time with us, uh, and that is generation gaps. So Tim, you and I have been talking about this for years. I I first got into this topic reading your book, Generation IY, years and years ago. But uh, we continue to find that when generation gaps are ignored or unexplored, they will serve as an unrealized cause of division and frustration between teachers and students, especially. So um, this is a key challenge, I it's think, huge. that we're facing. Yeah, we see it all the time. Yeah. So we're going to take a break real quick right now. But when we come back, I want to talk about what do we do? Yeah. What are some answers? Sounds great. Hey, podcast listeners, I want to talk to you about something that I 
don't think I could be more excited about. I have enjoyed writing books, but um, Andrew McPeak, my teammate, you've written your very first book solo. We've co-written some books, yeah. but I'm so proud of you. And I love this book so much. I was honored to do the forward for it. So I want you to take a minute. Uh, I'm giving you permission. Just talk about what's in this book and why it might be helpful. To, to our listeners. Well, I want to start with a question. It's a question that all of us, I think, are thinking subconsciously or consciously. So our technology-fueled world today is faster and more convenient than ever. But here's the question. Are we better for it? Mm. The evidence now shows that for our youngest population, Generation Z, life has actually not gotten better. Mm. They're the most social generation in history, but they're also the loneliest. They're the smartest generation in history, but they also struggle in basic social interactions. They have more opportunities than ever before, but they tend to feel overwhelmed rather than empowered by them. And students aren't the only ones who are struggling. Shorter attention spans, shifting learning styles, standardized test preparation, and continuously changing policies are all creating frustrations for educators as well. What I've found is that to address these challenges, the world's greatest educators and leaders are changing their strategy. Instead of just emphasizing grades and tests, these leaders focus on instilling their students with skills they can use to make more positive life choices for themselves. These timeless soft skills go by many names in the modern world, but frankly, no matter what we call them, they all lead to one outcome, young adults who are ready for real life. In fact, that's why I call this book Ready for Real Life. This book defines the five core soft skills all students need using simple metaphors, a mirror, a map, a compass, a two-way radio, and a passport. Using compelling stories and practical insights, this book is going to show you how these five skills, though timeless in human history, are still our best strategy to prepare young adults for the 21st century. So Ready for Real Life is available for pre-order right now, and it's going to release on April 18th. All you've got to do is click the link in the description to pre-order your copy today. So, Andrew, talk about how we prepare ourselves and our students to face these whiteout conditions. You've got an idea or yeah. two. Yeah, I've got two really big ideas that I think, um, and these are the things that I, I hope if I wrote the book well, they sort of took place throughout the entire book, mm -hmm. not just right yeah. at the very front. But I think there's two big ideas that leaders today have to lean on. If you know that the reality is that you are, not only are you facing these crazy whiteout conditions where you feel like, I don't know exactly what leadership's gonna look like, you can bet that your students are going to do that too. Yeah. They're gonna be walking into the same harrowing conditions that you find yourself in. And so there are two, I think, uh, sort of meta activities that teachers and leaders have to follow. They're almost frames of mind, aren't they? Mind, Absolutely. Mindsets. Okay. Absolutely. Go ahead. So here's the first one. I think we must lead from hope and not anxiety. Yeah. Uh, this is a big one. I think many, if not all, of our poor decisions come from a baseline of fear and anxiety. And often it's for a good reason. We've got reasons to yeah. fear, right? We fear about our own worth, our own place in the world. We fear about what's going to happen in the future with our country or our family. And that's why I really think what leaders have to do is sort of take heart, take courage in the midst of stressful things that are going on. I mean, think about what Hazel Miner did in the face of her own fear, right? Yeah. Uh, if a 15-year-old girl can go, you know what, I'm going to sacrifice what I have for the sake of something yep. that I believe in, in this case, my two uh, siblings. younger siblings. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine having to make that decision. But if you read what her community and her family said about her after she passed away, I don't think she had to think twice about that. She knew who she was. 
She knew what was the right choice. And at 15 years old, she was able to make yep. make that decision. And I think what that is, is that's a person who says, and think about the difference between hope, uh, hope and anxiety, right? Hope and anxiety can both acknowledge I'm going through a tough time right yeah. now. Yeah. The difference is what they do with it. Anxiety says it's all, I don't know. I, we're, I don't yeah. know if we're going to make it. Hope says it's hard right now, but we will make it one yeah. day. Yeah. And I think that teachers more than ever need to have that perspective, especially when they're leading kids. When we're anxious, we have very little creativity. When we hope, we have more creativity. Yeah, I think that's truth. what you're talking about here. So that's good. So here's the second idea. Yeah. I think we've got to teach our kids to ground themselves. So um, if you look uh, look up what farmers do in the North Country, how do they sort of prepare for whiteout conditions? Uh, it's really, really interesting. The answer is that uh, as spring is, or as uh, fall is turning into winter, so they know winter mm -hmm. is coming, they will actually go out and they will tie a rope between the house and the barn. Hmm. Because what they're doing is they're yeah. preparing for the possibility yeah. of this whiteout condition, knowing they're going to have to go out in it anyways in order to take care yeah. uh, of their livestock. So, But they know when I go out, I'm going to have this rope that's going to guide me I'm to my hold destination. hold on to it, yes. Exactly. I'm going to hold on to this rope. It's going to help me get there, and it's going to help me get back. And I think great leaders follow this same practice. They prepare grounding values and virtues ahead of inevitable challenges that they're going to face. So each of us, and especially our students, we need grounding grounding principles, just like that rope, that can give us guidance even in the face of unknown situations. Uh, I personally have three core values that I come back to, and I know those three things are going to be true about me no matter yep. what yep. situation I face. And those words then become a piece to me in challenging times, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know exactly what the right decision is next, but I do know who I'm going to be, right? Yeah. And I think our kids need that more than ever. And that's why what that's what really great leaders is they preemptively help their students tie that rope, ground themselves yeah. so that they have guidance guidance even in those crazy conditions. I love it. I think of Roy Disney who said, when you know your values, decision-making becomes easier. Yeah. Maybe not easy, but easier because we've already got a compass in our hand. I love the rope analogy. I'm yeah. holding onto a rope so I don't veer off yes. as long as I hold onto the rope. Yeah. So I was even thinking of one, I'm sure listeners are thinking, what are some examples? You gave the fact that you've got some core values personally. I do as well. But I'm thinking even one of our images that we've recently created for a talk on grit mm -hmm. is the diamond secret. Yes. How uh, diamonds come from carbon when it's under pressure in a coal mine. Yep. And the, and, the, and the diamond, to come out a diamond, must have pressure. So we teach there, if students look at pressure correctly, yep. it actually works for them, not against them. Yeah. That's a rope. Yes. How are we going to look at pressure? Are we going to exactly. see it as an enemy exactly. or, or a friend, a, a foe or a friend? Um, so anyway, that would be that's what we're talking about. Holding onto rope, maybe a set of words or ideals that yep. we say we're always going back to this. Absolutely, I love it. Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking of a Venn diagram. Okay. You and I have talked about this before, but yeah. I don't think we've ever talked about it on this podcast. So, listeners, if you know what Venn diagrams are, they're circles that might have some overlap to them. So, I want you to picture two circles, listeners. Both of these circles represent things that are. Um, important to know, okay? So one circle represents the things that you can control mm. in your life. Yeah. The other are things that are important. Mm. As those two, those two circles overlap, 
that's what you focus your attention on. Yeah. Things that are in your control and that, that are important. Yeah. Too often we're doing things that aren't that important, yes. but you know, oh well, I should, you know. It's easy to check that off yeah. the list. Or, or we're whatever. trying to control things that are out of our control. Yeah. So those two just simplify even a whiteout condition for us. Yeah. I love it. That's such great insight, Tim. I think that that's the mindset that we need is to go, what are the things that are actually in yeah. our wheelhouse that we can actually do something yeah. about? And not waiting until the issue comes up that's to right. actually deal with it, but instead to preemptively prepare. And that's what was so great when I was thinking about this whole topic is like, I want to write a book on life skills. And the reality is if, if our students and our teachers and our leaders had had more life skills, when we went through that COVID-19 pandemic in particular, I think we would have been better off. We would have been better off. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about the other image of that we have is called fences and hospitals. Mm -hmm. We have said for years, it is better to build a fence at the top of the cliff than a hospital at the bottom. Yep. You're saying, let's build some fences here. Yes. It's, let's be proactive. I Absolutely. love it. So we need to wrap up here, but this has been so rich, Andrew. I'm very excited about this book and this conversation. So um, give us a closing story that yeah. kind of is a picture of what we're talking about here. Yeah. Well, here's what's great is I, I didn't want to end the chapter on a low note, right? Yeah. Or my very yeah. first chapter, because here's the reality is there's a totally different story out there too. Yeah. Not just of tying ropes, but of young people who have... Uh, experience, values, and skills, and they're actually ready for the harrowing conditions when they face them. So this is another story. This one actually took place on Christmas Eve, uh, 1971, so still several years Mm -hmm. ago, not 100, but several years ago. Uh, This is another young girl. Julianne Kopke was her name, and she was 17 years old. So this is a wild story. She is flying home to the United States. She lived with her mother and father in South America. And as the plane is uh, entering the upper atmosphere, they actually go through a thunderstorm. Mm. The plane is struck by lightning. Wow. The engine catches fire and the plane starts to take a nosedive. Oh my goodness. And that's just, I'm trying to even imagine that much. We're on a lot of planes. I've yet to have any experiences like that. You're not asking for the peanuts at that point. No, you're not. I'm just saying. So young Jillian finds herself suddenly outside of the plane, free falling. She's still hooked to her seat and then she blacks out. So she comes to the next morning and she's in the middle of the Peruvian rainforest, the Amazon rainforest in Peru. So remarkably, she had just sustained just a couple of injuries. She had Mm. a broken collarbone and a few scratches, but that's it. And what's most amazing about that is she was the sole survivor of this plane crash. But of course, she's lost in the jungle with a broken collarbone. So really, her trial is just beginning. She was on her own as the sole survivor of the plane crash. She had to find her own food, water, shelter, and ultimately help. And when she finally found the help that she was looking for, Tim, Julianne had survived in the jungle for 11 days. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that insane? Good news is you survived the plane crash. Bad news is <laughs> you, got you landed it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. So, so here's a question. How did she survive this? It turns out she had been prepared by her parents oh, for wow. just such a situation. So she said in an interview after the crash, she said, before the, cr- the crash, I had spent a year and a half with my parents at, on their research station, and it was only 30 miles away from the place where she landed in the middle of the jungle. She said, I learned a lot about the rainforest and that it actually wasn't too dangerous, basically, if you knew what you were doing. She actually said in the interview, it's not the green hell that the world always thinks of. Oh, wow. Which is so interesting. So Julianne's 
survived her own whiteout conditions. These were kind of green out yeah, conditions, yeah, yeah. right? But it was because somebody helped her get ready, right? Somebody mm -hmm. taught her what yeah. what to look for. Somebody taught her what, what you could eat and not eat. And I think Julianne's experience tells the other side of the story. Yeah. It's a story of young people who are capable of facing hard times, a story of young leaders who are wise in navigating complex so social and cultural scenarios. And it's a story of adolescents who I think have yeah. enough self-awareness and discipline even to say no to really good things so that they have time to chase after great things. Absolutely. And I think that's ultimately what we believe in here and what I know a lot of our listeners care so much about. And I think the answer to our whiteout conditions is getting our kids ready. No doubt about it. Um, this has been rich. Um, I think it's safe to say we're going to have whiteout conditions. They'll they'll vary, but Absolutely. all of us are going to have them. Not if, but but when are they happening, yeah. and will we be ready? Mm -hmm. And this is all about getting ready. It is. So Andrew, I'm pretty excited about this book. Take a few minutes and talk about um, how people can pre-order the book yeah. and, and get it in their hands. Yeah, so the book is called Ready for Real Life, Unpacking the Five Essential Soft Skills Great Leaders Instill in Their Students. It breaks down, as it says in the subtitle there, the five core skills all students need and give you gives you a really practical and, uh, surprise, surprise, a really great metaphor for each one of these five skills mm -hmm. so that you can know exactly how to apply this and pass this skill uh, onto your students. So the book is actually out for pre-order right now. People can click the link in the subscription to pre-order it um, uh, right now, which I think is going to be really exciting. So I'm pumped about it coming out. It actually releases on April 18th, so be on the lookout for it. Awesome. Well, uh, as always, if you would rate this podcast, give us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. If you found this conversation particularly helpful, we invite you to share it with a friend. We would also really appreciate that. If you want to connect with us online, we are at Growing Leaders and at Tim Elmore pretty much everywhere you are. And then finally, if you have ideas for this podcast, whether it's people we should interview or topics you think we should cover, shoot us an email. It's podcast at growingleaders.com. We love getting those from you. Thank you guys so much for listening today, and we'll see you next time.